What is living in lockdown like? As the world tries to make sense of the coronavirus and South Africa is knee-deep in a government-initiated lockdown, we'll be hearing from different voices what they're up to and how they're handling living in the lockdown. Well, when Professor Jonathan Janssen speaks, you ought to listen. Certainly, that's my experience. And in times like these, more than ever, joining us is the Distinguished Professor of Education at Stellenbosch University and a friend of ours for the longest time, Prof. Jonathan Janssen. How are you, sir? Good. Uh, let me correct something. My letter yeah. of appointment was yes. written by an African Spaniard. So it actually says I'm an extinguished professor of education. So we we should get that right. <laughs> oh, that's not a very nice thing. <laughs> that's not a very nice thing to say about anybody. <laughs> so prof, these are very extraordinary times. Um I assume I'm catching you at home in lockdown. Are you locked down with the family? I am. Okay, good. Are they all well? They are well. I think they find it strange to have me around, you know. So um, uh, they basically lock me in my study and 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 then I go home at night, you know, yeah. open the door uh, and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's uh, – well, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I was going to be away for two months, April mm-hmm. and May, at my old uh, university in, in California, and I was going to spend two months alone writing. Yes. So I would have been technically in lockdown mode. So I think for us authors who spend a lot of time, you know, in solitude, uh, thinking and writing, um, this is not too disruptive, uh, you know. In fact, I just finished my first book in in, in a few weeks on um, it's a it's a memoir which I always resisted doing on living and learning. I'm right. I've written this for students at university uh-huh. and at school. And I recount the mistakes that I've made and the the moves, the good moves that I've made as a way of sharing, you know, 10 things that you should watch out for uh, in the process of making your education work for you. I'll send it to you as a manuscript. I'd, I'd love to see it. I've, I have a whole shelf on my uh, on my library shelf here of your books, and there have been some some extraordinary works that you – how many books altogether now? What are we talking about? I, I, I really haven't counted it, uh, and, and I don't mean that in a funny way. No. It's just true. I, you know. you, you, you're very prolific. Mm-hmm. So, Prof, um, with the, the usual stuff out of the question at the moment for many South Africans, learning is something that everybody's interested in. You've had some interesting mm-hmm. things to say in the last few days. Um our government, you say, have, have valued the voice of science over petty politics, so that's something to be celebrated. And you bemoan the fact that if we'd had this kind of leadership during the AIDS crisis, we may have saved many more lives. But you've also been quite funny about things. You've said you don't mind washing your hands, but you won't sing happy birthday because, first of all, it's nobody's birthday. And second of all, um, <laughs> second of all, Spur has killed off any desire in you to sing that song. Is that true? Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I love uh, a Spurs steak. You don't give me wrong. But, but when I see yet another family, you know, who came out to sing Happy Birthday, and then they have this gig, as you know, and, and I'm beginning to wonder whether the kid actually had a birthday. I, I, I think one of the things we do well as South Africans, you would know this from as a social media buff, mm-hmm. is we try to make light of difficult situations. And I think that's how we survived apartheid. I think that's how we survived. 
drive a lot of stuff, you know, is to to just sometimes look at the positive, you know, uh, things that come out of all of uh, all of this and so on. So I've been enjoying these uh, lockdown jokes, not because the issue we're dealing with isn't deadly serious, but because you know we find ways of coping, I suppose, that uh, includes humour. Uh, as we go. But Prof, what does this mean for education? I mean, we've got millions of school kids who are not at school at the moment, which first of all is, mm. is giving their parents a, a very hard time because they, they might actually appreciate teachers after this, um, having spent a bit, of, <laughs> bit more time yes. with their kids than they, than they usually would. Um, but we have, we have potentially people talking about postponing whole semesters and terms. This is very disruptive. And, Obviously, the big concern is that there are going to be kids who get to the end of this academic year and might, even if they've tried the online teaching thing, which is only possible for certain people in society, um, they might be at a deficit. Yeah, no, look, uh, um, as I said before, the virus doesn't uh, bring inequality, it reveals inequality. And and it does so in the healthcare system, first of all, but also in education. And so it's very clear to me that about 20% of our kids are getting online learning through various Google platforms and stuff. And, and that's great. Um, I, I, I love the fact that a lot of teachers are really working hard to, to make that possible. But, you know, if you are in Matubatuba or in, you know, some in, in rural Beaufort West, you know, uh, there's no bandwidth, number one. Uh, there's no equipment, laptops, stuff like that. There's no teachers qualified and, and competent to do uh, synchronous online teaching um, and all of that stuff. So we mustn't fool ourselves here that uh, to coin a phrase, the rich are going to get richer and the poor further you know lag further behind and 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 that inequality is something that we must redress post corona i can talk about that a bit later but you're right we have a major problem and that is why my basic proposal was to get the department of basic education out of rescue mode out of this you know they work with this notion of of uh, come stalled out for education, you know. Mm. Let us just um, make up the last six months. And by the way, nobody really knows when the schools are going to reopen, just between you and me, you know. But you can't simply take the kids from day one, whenever we reopen, be it June or July or whenever, and expect that it's business as usual. It won't be. Um, so my proposal, as you probably read, was to um, pass all the kids, except the grade 12s, pass all of them, and make up, if you will, the lost time for learning in a very different 2021 school calendar. That can be done. It's been done before. Countries have gone through these kinds of things during wars, as you know, and other kinds of calamities. Uh, but it will require getting the minister and her team out of this sort of search and rescue mode, you know, this notion that you can cram everything in yeah. and get kids to pass. Uh, and by the way, remember, this is not a, a disruption because of a flood or a fire. This yeah. is a pandemic. Yes. People are going to be bloody scared going into the new school uh, term. Uh, teachers are going to be frail and 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 fearful, and so it requires a different way of thinking about the school calendar than what I'm hearing in these press statements. So, Prof, how much of of what you are 
usually doing can you still do from home? You mentioned that the writing is something that you were going to basically go into lockdown for anyway. Are, are other things easy to do from home or are you in the situation where so, so much of your, your work actually requires your physical presence? No, none of my work actually uh, requires being physically present, except, of course, those big talks that you give to 2,000 people in, you know, in a big auditorium. Yeah. Uh, but even that can be adjusted. So most of my work revolves research, writing, um, uh, 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 supervision of students and postdocs. I've got uh, Mars and Duffel students, postdocs. They've been on my case, by the way. They've realized I can't go anywhere. So... Um, uh, you know, every day I do about three or four hours of intensive training, supervision, feedback on things. And then for the rest of the time, uh, I'm writing. Now, fortunately, uh, I was able to bring all my data from two or three years of research back home with me. Mm. So I'm, I'm actually in a very good space, to be honest with you. Obviously, you know, with the weather still so nice, uh, I'd love to just go down to Musenberg Beach or, uh, you know, walk on the Seapoint Promenade to do something silly like that. But, um, no, I'm getting a lot of work done and I'm able to compartmentalize. And I know a lot of my friends who are researchers as well and writers they are uh, struggling. They are quite affected emotionally and, and otherwise by what's happening. And so uh, I feel for them. Uh, I don't know how we are wired, you know, but in my case, I can just shut out things and get on with it. So, so Prof, there are a number of things I wanted to ask you that are not necessarily education related, but that you usually have mm. an interesting take on. What's your feeling about the the fact that so many South Africans are dealing with not only the the difficulty of 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 social distancing which can be hard not in, inside of families but also for people who feel very lonely you know the elderly people with mental illness and then this this incessant mm. problem in south africa this very ugly relationship we have with alcohol and cigarettes and all the rest of it have any comments mm. on those things during lockdown yeah yeah let me just tell you about alcohol and cigarettes you know it's it's the weirdest thing uh, maybe you can help me, uh, but I don't know why <laughs> you would want to prevent people from having alcohol and smoking and all of that. I would say give every house, you know, a pack of cigarettes and and drop off free wine everywhere. I mean, what? What? I don't. I don't know what the logic here is. You know, um, uh, uh, it, it as you know, it brings a lot of people a sense of calm, a sense of you know. Uh, recreation, whatever the case might be. No, I would sort of say, uh, you know, uh, uh, one man, one gin or something like that, you know, give people a say. I don't know what the, the struggle is yet. Uh, so on a, on a more serious note, though, um, I think what, you know, social distancing is a most unhelpful um, term mm. because we should have physical distancing, not social distancing, you know. Right. And so I make it my business, for example. I know friends who live alone, friends who lost their spouses. And so every day I call three or four people mm -hmm. just to encourage them, just to share a joke, joke with them, just to talk nonsense, you know. But but I think reaching out to people in that way. And then, of course, the hunger problem, which for me is a huge issue. I've been very lucky uh, to be able to leverage uh, huge support to, to, to feed uh, children in schools in different uh, areas where I work 
with schools. And so I know at least children in the, those areas. Okay. What I'm saying is it is very important if you can, you know, to think outside of your own needs, outside yeah. of your own, you know, uh, uh, concerns. Uh, I find it really revitalizing to be able to give, even under these conditions, into uh, communities where there isn't, you know, the space or the the fridge or the, you know, the kinds of things, that, the books that can keep them going. So um, that has been my, and I also have a, a group of people. We have about uh, seven or eight of us that once a week sit for an hour to two hours and we do nothing else but just talk, uh, uh, you know, hope and encouragement into each other and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think uh, where you can, you know, pick up the phone or, or and speak to somebody. And um, but the most important thing is not to isolate yourself um, because that's bad. And Prof, do you think that the world is going to learn any lessons from this? I mean, in, in some meta level, there's got to be an enormous amount of good and bad to come from this. We know about the bad. The economists are telling us what the bad will be. Do you have any any hopes of what personally this might do for humanity? Yeah, you know, I, I you know, I'm as you know, I'm an optimist uh, uh, about the human condition, mm. but I, I can also, you know, face up to to history. You know, and we've we've gone through major. Think of the the flu of 1918. Think of World War One and Two. You know, we don't learn, it seems, from major catastrophes, often human-made. Uh, catastrophes. When we reset, we go back into being selfish. We go back into being, you know, uh, mindlessly competitive. We get back into national sentiment. We go back into, you know, my family first and tell the rest. So I'm not too sure that at a national level, I mean, you look at America right now, you know, a country I know well, uh, I can tell you now, this virus has shown how dangerous it is not to have a national health system. But I can tell you now, when they reset, and they will, they'll go back to the old ways, you know, uh, in which you exclude people who can't afford on some selfish logic of the upper classes, you know. Now, I'm hoping in South Africa, so in South Africa, I think the same will happen, you know. Um, we'll go back into fighting each other in Parliament, uh, cats and dogs, you know, we'll, we'll go back into what I'm hoping, though, is at the individual level, at the community level, we will have a rethink, you know, that around the basic notion, which, as you know, I've preached for years now, that your your child is not safe until everybody's child is safe. You know, if the virus doesn't teach you that, then I don't know what is going to teach you that basic, you know, notion, because it doesn't respect borders and and lineage and and uh, race and gender and and all of that stuff. So um, I think. It's more likely that you'll have greater empathy, greater compassion, greater sense of reaching out amongst ordinary people, whether governments themselves, you know, uh, will reset in a different way. Uh, I don't know, Gareth. History doesn't help me. <laughs> no. And, and I'm afraid the, the lessons from history, as you said, are seldom learned. But the, yeah. the, the ways of dealing with this, I mean, we see, you know, there's a philosophical argument starting to come from from more thoughtful people about what the eradication of our liberties during a crisis actually means, because we know how hard it is to get those rights back from a government once they've taken them, even yeah. for good reasons. 
You know, even if mm. the government are doing everything out of the the kindness and the and the and the decency of trying to keep people alive and looking after people's health, and a genuine concern mm. for the country, um, to suspend mm. people's rights of movement, of association, mm. of being able to buy whatever they need to buy, trade freely, speak freely. There are there are certain things that are going to have a long tail on them here. And and does that concern you as much as it does me? You have no idea. I mean, I from the word go, when the regulations were announced, I tweeted, you know, uh, that very point that I'm quite prepared personally to give up some of these freedoms, but I don't trust the state to give it back. You know, I mean, we foolish if we think, you know, that, uh, I mean, if you look at the behavior of the police in some areas, and unfortunately, mainly in poor areas, you know, yes. having people do sit-ups and squats and yeah. kicking men walking outside. I'm not saying there shouldn't be some form of discipline, but that behavior comes from deep within our history of authoritarianism, yeah. deep within our history of krachtadigheid and so on. That stuff, as Giovanni Mangani, the great clinical psychologist, often used to say to me, he says, these people didn't just disappear. These mm-hmm. behaviors didn't just go into thin air. So, yeah, you bet. I am deeply worried. I understand it. I support it. I tweet, as you know, in support of these yes. kinds of uh, 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 lockdowns and so on. But I'm worried stuff, you know, that when we reopen, um, that those behaviors again come to the fore and become part of our culture and 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 that would not be discontinuous as you know with our past. I, I, I saw such a horrible picture of a of a mother obviously or a woman, a single woman, maybe she's a mom, maybe she's married I don't know what her situation is, but she's there with her grocery packets and she's on her knees with her hands behind her head and there are like four policemen and army people around her. And I just suddenly thought, you know, as much as this woman may not be wearing a mask or whatever their problem is with her, she's going off in desperation to feed her family. And, you know, you hear these residents in Alex mm. saying, it's more important mm. for me to feed my kids. I don't care if I get coronavirus. It's that important to, mm. to – it's, it's a question of survival. Mm. And there's, a, there's, there's scant appreciation for that um, among, you know, sort of rich suburban people who are concerned about not being able to walk their dog. And from the state, who who seem to be mm. uh, happy to Becky Taylor among others, happy to enforce all kinds of draconian rules, even though mm. they're not entirely sure it'll work. No, the example I often use, you know, uh, is um, these sort of middle class sensibilities and, and working class sensibilities. Uh, we all sort of look aghast on the seven o'clock news when there's a taxi with uh, 45 children inside and say, how could the parents be so irresponsible, blah, 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 blah. And I often wonder, you know, if people ever think, what option do you have if you've got to get to work at 4.35 in the morning? (laughs) You know, there's nobody to take care of your kid. The only option for, you know, five rands round trip or 10 rand round trip is putting that kid in a crowded taxi. And so you're right, people make calculations, not because they're irresponsible, but because they don't have any alternative, you know. And I think a, a policy intervention has to take account of how do you, on the one hand, you know, and, and by the way, let me just say, 
one of the biggest things here is ignorance. And I don't mean this in, 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 in the nasty sense that we haven't really done a good job, I thought, of educating ordinary people about what the virus is. Well, first of all, what is a virus? how it works, because you can't see the bloody thing, right? Uh, how it works and how it affects you. And therefore, it's in your interest, you know, if you were to try and lock down in a safe space. Et we haven't done that. We just expect people to buy into the logic with which we share middle class sensibilities that, hey, get off the streets, you know, even if that means, as you know, uh, having seven people in a one bedroom shack, which is not social distancing by any measure. Well, you mentioned something that you're doing, and I think everybody's trying to find a way to make a, a positive contribution. Your your school at Belvaney Primary in Elsie's Rafid is uh, you're being help you're helping 300 kids or more there to just get meals every day, every single yeah. day. Um, this is the kind of thing that anyone can get involved in. Prof, it doesn't have to be the high and mighty. It doesn't have to be those of us who are. Uh, well off or or who have networks of friends, anybody can get involved and help. And and there are obviously organisations that are making that possible. So, you know, if you want to if you want to give any of them props this during this uh, conversation, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and and it's simple stuff, you know. And and of course, the first uh, first thing I always tell my friends who ask how can we be helpful, I say, do no harm. Don't harm yourself, okay? Yes. So it's so only silly and going into a situation in which you are exposed and you're exposing others to yourself. Um, the thing that I find so powerful, a friend of mine is, um, uh, you know, childhood friend is a dentist in in the UK, and they had options given to them. Now, now you know, he's got a comorbidity and he is over 60 and but there is an option for him just to call you know 20 patients a day or 20 older elderly people a, a, a day yes. and in that way just give them confidence so even things like that you know uh, without ever leaving your home uh, can be very very helpful uh, to, to, to people in need. Um, I was delighted by the way that a friend in the education department uh, David Miller I mean, the moment you saw the Belvini school example, you could just put up a, an account. I verified the account with the banks, that kind of thing. He put up one for another school. Imagine a thousand of us did that, you yeah. know, and the impact on primary school nutrition. So, yeah, there are so many different ways. And and for people of faith, you know, whether you're Muslim, Jewish, or what's his name, uh, a Christian, I mean, just picking up the phone and praying with somebody itself in, in your community, you know, can have such a powerful effect. Well, Prof, um, you, you continue to be someone who we rely on for wisdom in times like these. I hope that's not too much pressure for us to put on you, but it's nice to talk to you again, even if it is in these strange times. And I hope we'll see each other again soon. Thank you so much. And by the way, there's a huge upside for me from the lockdown. Eh? Oh, yeah? Do you know the Bulls haven't lost for three months? <laughs> You know, you may swap universities from time to time, but <laughs> your loyalty there is steadfast. Oh, no, absolutely. Love this forever. Well, Prof, love to the family, and I hope that we'll see you soon. Keep healthy and keep safe.